Hey, it's Tyson. I'm recording this on Wednesday. It's currently my mom's birthday, so happy birthday, mom. And we have a great podcast coming up. It's a subscribers-only version of the I-5 Corridor, and we have Corey Brock from The Athletic. We talk a little bit about the Mariners and team he covers, uh, how they've managed to find themselves in playoff contention for the first time in 20 years. And we talk a little bit about his journey from San Diego, where he covered the Padres, and moving back up here to the Northwest. So a really fun podcast coming up. Thanks to Lombard House here in North Portland for hosting us. Um, and yeah, let's just jump right into it. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Thanks for coming down, man. Thanks for having me. First time here, and it is a cool spot. I, uh, I dig it in here. I love some of the old sports memorabilia on the wall. I'd encourage anyone to get down here. Plus, the beer list is exceptional. Yeah, what are, what are you drinking right here? I'm having the Breakside. Uh, fresh hop citra and i'm a big breakside guy um so i think they they could really do uh, no wrong and this is fresh hop season so this is this is really good okay so we're, we're going to get into the actual mariners because it's a september and for once your job is actually relevant in, in yeah. september thank it's, you <laughs> thank you for noticing but uh, it's been it's been 20 tw- yeah 20 years since the mariners made the playoffs uh, but first, you know, you kind of talk about uh, um, drinking beer here in Portland and the good beers around here. You've lived in and covered teams in some of the best beer cities in the country. But before starting with the Athletic and this uh, the Mariners gig, you had covered the Padres in San Diego. And I guess my main question is, why would you leave that? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> well, I have two reasons why we left, and they both arrived on uh, September 30th, uh, 2013. My my boys, were uh, who will be eight here uh, very shortly were born and I think that got the clock ticking on us to come back to the northwest and you know San Diego is a funny place Tyson like a, not a lot of people are really from there that we've noticed you know I call it extended adolescence right maybe where you just stretching that out a little bit people living in PB surfing into their 30s and 40s which is great like if you could support that and that's for you it, it, it's funny as you say that that was my portland experience in the 20s but instead of surfing it was you're drinking into your 30s and 40s because that's about all we have to do so are you saying you stopped yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah cheers yeah. Yeah, cheers yeah, to yeah. there yeah. um no so we had a great uh that was a great chapter for us down there i really liked it down there i liked it probably a little bit more than my wife did um but we're both from the northwest i grew up in uh, gig harbor outside tacoma wife my wife is from clackamas so, um, you know, all of our families up here. So I, I'm so happy to be back uh, in the Northwest. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not thankful that we're living up here. I, I mean, I miss, I miss my friends that, you know, that we cultivated in San Diego and living there, flip-flops in January. You yeah. know, that's, yeah. that's kind of nice, but uh, no regrets. I think for my money, and I, I feel like I've seen most of the country, um, just by nature of the job, but uh, there's nowhere better than the Northwest. So this is a Northwest travel uh, podcast, yeah, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ne- next week we're, uh, we're 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 actually stopping in Sedona. We're using those points and we're traveling to the Southwest. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's in the budget, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I I think my parents are listening to this. Maybe they can uh, siphon off a little bit of money. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of being a Mariners fan, like I'm admittedly a Mariners fan, but I love kind of the quirkiness of of what makes Seattle baseball interesting. I mean, I, I think that's maybe what you have to mine out of it after 20 years of, of never being good. But the, the 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 manufactured rivalry between the Padres and the Mar- sorry, not manufactured the uh, the completely serious uh, um, 
just is the heated rivalry, the the Vetter Cup as they call it between the Mariners and right. Padres. I think is one of the the funnier things in sports, and it's it's a me and my uh, our, our acquaintance Jeff Smith. We all we all celebrate the Vetter Cup between the two teams. That's and, right. Um, what, what's it what's it been like essentially like trading that in and like once you got to Seattle and kind of embracing the other side of of not the pinstripes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, having grown up in Western Washington. Um, and certainly this will date me a little bit since I'm very old. But, uh, I, you know, I went to games in the kingdom as a kid. So, I, you know, I have, a, I think, a lot of institutional knowledge about the Mariners, where they've been, what they've done. Maybe not so much when I took the job at The Athletic in 2018. Not so much maybe the previous decade. But obviously it sounds like I didn't miss a whole lot <laughs> either. So, um, I don't know, it, it was kind of cool just to, you know, I knew about so much of the history of the the team, the Kingdom, Safeco Field, which is now T-Mobile Park, and the players, and some of the interesting characters that have passed through Seattle throughout time, and you know that's kind of been a fun element of the job is to revisit some of those um, historical stories. I'm a Dave Niehaus geek, yeah. you know, and you know I'll take every opportunity I can to write about Dave Niehaus, and I sort of don't care if anybody else likes it or not. Oh, I'm dude, just doing it for my dude, own good. Like, like those are right in my Mariners fandom wheelhouse. Uh, I I remember. Boy, what was it? Uh, you found the tape to their pre- uh, yeah, know, their first the first broadcast. Yeah, the first broadcast. Yeah, which was uh, just for a little background uh, for your listeners. Uh, the the Mariners' first game in 1977 um, was missing in terms of uh, you know the recording it uh, the the station or the team or whatever, and it was just gone. You know, they couldn't find it. They had all the other ones. And back then, in 77, they used reel-to-reel, which if you ask your parents, Ty, about that, they might have some information about it. But actually, the sound quality on reel-to-reel was really exceptional it's, at the it's, time. It's probably better than that. It probably is. <laughs> uh, we should be doing this on reel-to-reel. Yeah. Uh, but uh, lo and behold, a guy that was a radio producer in Seattle, like years later, approached Dave Niehaus in the parking lot. It's like, hey, I have that first recording. And Dave's eyes just kind of lit up. He assumed that was gone. Right. So they, they now have the first audio recording of the, the first game. You know, some it got lost um, or it never got recorded. This is 1977, right. you know, so who knows what happened. But It was in some box that they get, get unpacked and when switching from the kingdom to Exactly. Yeah. And that stuff, that, that reel-to-reel is really frail. And, it, you know, over the course of time, it kind of disintegrates, I guess. So... Um, so it was fun to kind of tell that story about the missing first game. It's such a critical moment. You only get one chance to have your first game. It's it's there's important moments like that, and then there's also the even more important moments like doing the play by play of how uh, Dave Sims and the rest of the Mariners broadcast booth all blew out their their their, oh their, their, their legs in a pickup bat. That that was one of my favorite stories that you've done because like that yeah. was like. I think that was like early on in the run at the athletic too, yeah. when we were we were it was very much encouraged to do like these zany off the wall type of stories. Yeah. And as soon as because what was it? It was Dave. Who all got hurt in that game? Oh my goodness, Rick Riz Rick. and Dave Sims. Like I, serious injuries. As, as soon as that happened, I well, was like, please let this be a story. <laughs> yeah. And like an, I felt like a, not a whole lot of people knew about it. So what we did was I think the incident happened in 2018. I wrote about it maybe in 2019. Right. And just sort of revisiting what we called the pickup game from hell. <laughs> and, oh, Edgar Martinez uh, kind of messed up his knee. He didn't need surgery. But it right. was like one of the lines in there was like, oh, no, we broke the Hall of Famer. We broke <laughs> Edgar. Um, but it was uh, it was just so much, so much fun to uh, 
I think that was an oral history too, because it just yep. read a little bit better that way, the flow of it, all that. But some of the anecdotes in that were just were awesome, and I, I would say that's probably easily top five for me of stories I've written. I, I have the hardest time. Like I really like doing the oral history format when it works, and I have the hardest time kind of deciding like when to like use that tool because like there, there there's part of me like when I'm writing them like. Uh, that like I, I feel like that can almost be like a crutch. Like if you don't have like good material, it's almost just like a quote dump sort of thing. Yeah. But like when it works, like I think it's like one of the most effective ways to tell something, and I, I think it really leans on like if you've done like the reporting work behind it. Or yeah. Like, or frankly, there's some people that I just talk to who they say things a lot better than I can write it. Right. So it's like you know what you have it like 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 take it. Away. Yeah, I don't need to insert these transitions. I just let I get out of the way and let the people sort of tell the story. But yeah, I think there's it's kind of an art form to it, and for some stories, it certainly fits better than others. And then I feel like for a time, and you will probably agree with this at the Athletic, we were having a lot of oral <laughs> histories, and so maybe there was some saturation there. But I still think I think that was the best way to go that route though. There, it too, because like, yeah, when people everyone. Whenever when anyone's talking about like amateur sports that they play, they always have a way of telling the story around that. And then I yeah. think giving a little window into each one of that was it was I very much enjoyed that. Well, you know, we just uh, oh gosh, when was that? It was earlier this year. Myself and uh, Rustin Dodd and Jason Jenks did that Ichiro oral history. Oh man, that one was fantastic. And that was good. You know, we split up the list and talked to different people. And then we gave it to Jason, who's a wonderful journalist and writer, and he organized it. And I and I think. He organized it in a way um, that really made it really, not coherent, but it just the flow was so good. And I think he really has a good eye for those because yeah. I think he's done a few of those. But, um, yeah, that's been that's been a really successful story. And some of the stories are hilarious. Man, the, the, the way Jenks is able to get, the, like, not only, like, get all of those people on record, but then to, like, somehow get, like, the juicy quotes out of them. Like, he had maybe, like, five in one year at the athletic that were probably like the most subscribed to stories like that yeah and and for the most part i mean he he jumped and did like a like one on Kawhi. he was got like the infamous uh, board man gets paid that's and, right and a couple of other ones but so he, clay thompson one in there maybe yeah yeah but well the clay thompson goes to the point of like he was mining these ones out of like the northwest and they were like some of the most popular stories on the athletic yeah and, um I, I think that just goes to show that like good good storytelling you know no matter like the region like usually will will play out as long as like the subjects have like some sort of level of of popularity to them well and it's it's funny because yeah at the end of the day um when that story runs um and it's you know people are like oh good job on that story i'm like well honestly uh it's just a series of quotes yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i did some typing um, but, you know, obviously the gathering and then, like I said, Jason was so good at organizing that because I think there is a flow to that. You can't just be jumping around a little bit. It's got to have some sort of structure to it. But anyway, it's, it's a it's a cool story format when it works. But um, like you, like sometimes I feel like some of these are forced. <laughs> so you covered the very tail end of Ichiro's tenure with the Mariners. You covered the very tail end of Felix Hernandez's tenure with the Mariners. Yeah. In, in in that in itself almost feels like a bookend to like this this period of hopefully what is hopefully the end of uh, 20 years of futility because it does look like they have the pe- i mean they have the num- number one farm system according to is it baseball america right um they have some very good pieces that haven't made, been to the made it to the show yet like with julio rodriguez and it looks like jared kelnick's finally uh coming out of his slump you had a, a piece on that was that 
this weekend. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, yeah. He had the two home runs against the Royals. Yeah. So, so like, for, like, like for the first time in a long time, it actually kind of feels like there's a like a roadmap maybe coming out of this into contention. And I always kind of look at things like when they they just announced that they awarded the All Star Game to Seattle for the 23 season. That like maybe ML that's. MLB's way of tipping their hat and thinking like maybe they'll finally be worth <laughs> worth putting on a platform by then. But what's it been like, kind of covering that transition from the end of an era that had some very popular players that like fans had that, those connections with, with kind of the retooling and, and where they're at now as it looks like they're ramping up for maybe contention. Yeah, possibly. And you know, I think I would put Kyle Seeger in that yeah. uh, in that boat because this looks like it'll be his final year. I, I haven't. Uh... I haven't bought a jersey or like even like a t-shirt with someone's name on it since I have, I think I have a Felix one from like 2000s or so. I might get a Seeger one. Like, like I just really respect like, yeah, that guy just like went about his business. He was a lot better than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. Very consistent. And, uh, just had to endure a lot of bad baseball. <laughs> yeah, bad baseball. Yeah. Because, you know, if they don't make it this year and I, you know, I, I think they are, uh, they're going to be outsiders at the end yeah. here. It's just a lot of ground to pick up. And plus you're counting on other teams falling flat. But, you know, he will go a, a full decade in Seattle without a playoff appearance. And I think what's interesting about him, and I'll use Felix as an example, Felix was such a beloved figure in Seattle. And I really understood that, I think, at that last year. And I know you were at – remember? You yeah, were, yeah. Was you at, were at the last his, game. His final start with my buddy AJ. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um you guys were having a good time. Um, <laughs> the, the drive home the next day was not such a good time. I assume it wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he was such a, a beloved figure, even though I think, you know, to his own detriment, you know, the lack of work ethic and stuff, I think he could have extended his career. Um, but beside all that, just like the things people remember, the perfect game and just his show of raw emotions and all that. And then we look at Seeger. And, you know, his body of work when he's done with the Mariners, I mean, he will be a Mariners Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. That's not a list of 30 people. It's a pretty select group, right? But his numbers... I, I, I've always contended that uh, the Seattle Mariners is, like, the only organization where Dan Wilson is still, like... And God bless Dan Wilson. Right. I loved him as a player, but... What was his career war? Maybe like six or yeah. <laughs> but people loved it, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. And, and, like, and I'm not sure, Ty, I'm not sure people really... Um, I don't want to say that Kyle Seeger is not getting his due, but I don't think people really understand just how good he was as a Mariner. And, um, you know, this is a guy that posted up and played every day for so many years, right? Didn't have a whole lot of injuries. Um, drove in over 90 runs now, you know, three different times. Played good defense, especially early in his career. Because he's not flamboyant, right? right. And you don't hear a lot about him other than the baseball stuff. But right. I think he has an influence in that clubhouse that's pretty strong. And then, the, for me, the ability to play every day over the course of such a long and grueling season, it's, it's, I think it's really cool. I remember um, I was a big – I was really hot as the Seattle Mariners organization was too, but I was really high on da- uh, Dustin Ackley when they drafted him out of – was it North Carolina? North Carolina. Yeah, North, North Carolina yeah. In, in 2010, 11, one of those years. Well, they had in the same draft. Yeah, they, they were in the same draft. Yeah. And, and Ackley was supposed to be like the sheer thing. Like he was the Mariners' first-round pick. Yeah. He was the guy that tore it up in the minor leagues and then just had zero MLB success. And Seager was his teammate taken several rounds later. And that guy's ended up being I, – I remember when the Mariners traded for Cano – or sorry, signed Cano. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe like Seager's like third year. 
it was like one of his breakout seasons. And uh, I just remember like seeing like I was at a game and like just, just like seeing the respect that you saw like Cano gave Seager. And it was like, oh man, like Seager's a good player. <laughs> yeah. like, like that's Robbie Cano like, like acknowledging this guy. Like the Mariners actually did it, and then that's the only player they really developed like the last <laughs> the last decade to make an impact. Yeah, yeah. but that's I you know, I think that's one of the many great things about baseball is you know. Uh, you know, so you, a lot of these sure, you know, first round guys maybe never develop, right. and these later round guys do. There's no rhyme or reason for it. I mean, I'm still waiting on the the trio of pitchers uh, that the Mariners drafted. It was Taiwan Walker, Danny Holtson, and yeah. uh, Paxton. And Paxton's the only one that really thrived out of that group. And and he's Tommy John surgery. He's been hurt the whole. I mean, I guess Walker's put together a, a good career yeah. away from Seattle, and his second chapter's been yeah. uh, pretty good. But uh, it's just it's the, the fickle nature of the business. I mean, like you could you could do all this scouting and all this preparation and try and project out what these guys are going to be in three five years, but at the end of the day, it's incumbent upon the player uh, to really develop into something, and he'll get some assistance through player development, and all that, but. Man, there's no one could look you in the eye and honestly say like we know what this guy is going to become. So Jerry Depoto signed to a contract extension. Scott Scott Service mm-hmm. Service signed to a contract extension. They're three games out of the wild card right now. Probably not going to make it this year. But is this? Do they have to turn this into something starting next year? Like, well, like is, is, is is basically is the pressure on them now? Yeah, you know this is the third year of the rebuild and. I think, and I would hope that the understanding from everyone, you know, not just the organization certainly, but the fan base is you don't get an infinite amount of time to make this thing work. Right. I mean, you just, you don't. I mean, they both, uh, you know, Jerry DePoto has an extension now. And so, you know, technically that buys him some more time. But I think the needle is starting to move um, on this rebuild now. And it's funny because if you break down the rebuild, I was thinking about it um, last night. Um, the Mariners won in Oakland and we're talking about Monday night here and the three guys that sort of led the way was you know Kyle Seeger, Paul Seawald and Tyler Anderson. I'm not sure about Anderson, but I think he's close to 30, but those other two guys are over 30. And so when we think about the rebuild, we right. automatically want to think about young players, but you know they've really had some outlier performances this year. Their one run uh, their record in one run games and extra innings is kind of off the charts. You know, they've had that negative run differential, but they've outplayed that. Um, they've had a, you know, I don't want to say <laughs> luck, but I think there's some good fortune, or I, I like to call it magic pixie dust that's sort of been sprinkled over this team. But they have to augment the roster if they want to get over the hump in 2022 and end this postseason skid. Um, and it's not one or two players. They're going to need to add more either through free agency or probably more likely trades. But this um, this should be an interesting winner for the team. What's uh, Jared Kelnick like? Because uh, the, the background of that is uh, on Seattle Sports Twitter this morning, there was, uh, I believe it was Mike Salk who uh, tweeted out that uh, Kelnick needs to smile more when he's out in the outfield. And granted, this is a guy with a 600 OPS right now that's just trying to get by. Uh, is is he is he as intense as he looks all the time? Is this like like what, what basically what what's he like? For, he, yeah, yeah, he's intense, yeah. absolutely, and he's very confident. Um, and there's nothing wrong with either of those traits, to be honest with you. Um, but I think the lesson that he's learned this year 
um, as a 22-year-old in the big leagues, who just turned 22 in uh, in July, is that, um, you know, he got a heaping dose of humility. Yeah. You know, and this is, you know. Because he didn't really even struggle during spring training, right? No. Like, like he was tearing the cover of the ball right. all and, levels of play. And then he went to Tacoma, had, and yeah. a AAA Tacoma, and played well. And, you know, honestly, the Mariners in a perfect world would like for all of their prospects to struggle in the minor leagues um, so they could learn how to cope with that and deal with that so when they get to the big leagues they could they could handle it a little better right well the problem is Jared Kelnick's never struggled anywhere and so his first real struggles occurred in the big leagues and he had to go back to Tacoma and he's come back and there's been some rough patches but there has been signs of growth and especially in the month of September, his, his performance is trending upward. And I think that that's the most important thing here. Do, do you think, how much do you think it affected him coming out of spring training, the whole service time conversation, and, yeah. and just basically, like in his camp, they obviously wanted him in the big leagues, and, and you kind of have to like present yourself in that way. But then I imagine when he gets called up, like you probably feel like you have to like play like Superman out there. Well, yeah, and, maybe, and that's probably unfair to him. And, yeah, the service time manipulation thing is kind of unfortunate, no matter how much it persists in the game of baseball. The, you know, it's kind of the unspoken topic. But, um, you know, it's it's funny. Well, maybe it's not funny, but, you know, a lot of people that were like, oh, Jared Kelnick, he's got to make the team coming out of spring training. And then when he came up in May and he struggled, they were probably a lot of the same people are like, oh, you brought him up too soon. You know, like you just can't you can't win there. Right. But I think that this time in the big leagues, eventually he will look back and the Mariners will look back on this chapter and again they'll probably you know, if they miss out on the playoffs, so be it. But if if this experience in the big leagues has helped him, helped get his feet underneath him, humbled him, uh, adjustments he's made will make him a better player, which I think it will. I mean I think he's gonna be a very good player. If, if this experience helps him in the long run, you know, is that more important than having a one-game playoff? You know what I mean? Like, what, what's really the goal here? The Mariners want to build a sustainable winner. This is this is never about, oh, man, we need to make that second wild card in 2021. I mean, I, I just, you know, I think he's going to help himself here. I agree with that sentiment, like, with 98% of that. But I was I – was, so, so this year um, – I don't. I don't talk with my grandpa all that much, but where's he live? He lives in Alaska. Okay. And when I was a kid, I used to go over there. How I'd drive my bike to their house. I would mow their lawn. Yeah. I'd do a crappy job at it. They'd still pay me twenty bucks, and he'd probably mow it the two days later. It's great work. I, I would mow the lawn. I'd come in, and, and then we would watch the Mariner ga- Mariners game together. And, yeah. And, you know, grandma would make lunch or something, and like like that's we because we didn't have cable at my house so it was basically like my excuse to like go watch the mariners game was like grandpa come mow your lawn but it's something you could do with him too exactly yeah and um and and we don't talk a ton like these days but like once like this season like because he got a cell phone a couple years ago he's learning how to text and uh after like they've been winning and he'll you know he'll text me after wins and it's not more than like a like one or two text exchange just like oh like great win tonight or like um uh you know, so and so pitched well, or like, and and it's 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 just like giving us like a little bit more of a reason to connect again. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, because he's like 80, 85, 86, You know, he's getting up there in age. And while it is like for them to just get like one measly like wild card appearance, like it doesn't mean like in the grand scheme of like where the program, I mean where the organization should be, like obviously they should be prioritizing it. But I'm just thinking like, man, I just want to have like one like 
boy, that was a great playoff game last night, like conversation with my grandpa before yeah. before he leaves, you know? Like, That's and, fair. And, and so, like, like, there are, like, certain things like that that I think, like, uh, and, like, I think you see this a little bit online of, like, kind of the waging factions of Mariners fandoms of, like, the fans who have, like, been through the shit of it for, like, the last 20 years and, like, yeah. have, like, cultivated, like, uh, wacky reasons of why to like this team versus, like, probably there's, like, a younger fan base who's, like, of course, like, why, like, why wouldn't we make the deal with the Astros at the deadline if it's bringing in Toro, who's going to make us better like two years from now? So I, I think, like I, I think I appreciate both sides because I would, I would definitely like them to build something more than just like a wild card contending team. Right, but- and I, I will say this, and maybe this is because I grew up a Mariners fan and I understand the angst and the sorrow. Maybe that's a little strong, but I will never be dismissive of anyone. Who says, you know, you know, I'm always talking in terms of like, okay, you know, they you know, get a few pieces here and they could be better next year. But, you know, you know, Josie, whatever, you know, he wants to see them, he wants to see them in the playoffs this year. And I, and I can't, you know, it's not my place to say, um, hey, you know, you just, you know, I think next year is a year it's going to happen because I understand this is, this has been two decades. And just so people know, this is the longest uh, postseason funk uh, drought of any North American professional sports team. This and they a- don't get any credit for it either when the graphics come up on right. ESPN, when, uh, when you know, Seattle never gets, we never get our due for being perennially exactly. crappy. <laughs> and I think there, there's so many people, you know, I, I think the, because, you know, the Seattle sports fan base has probably changed a little bit. Maybe that's a influx of Microsoft, Amazon people moving into the area and certainly driving up the home prices in western Washington. But maybe it's a, the, the fan base looks a little different than it once did. But, you know, this is this has been a Seahawks town. Seattle has been a Seahawks town for a long time now. Yeah. And that, then as you break it down, Husky football, whatever order, the, the Kraken, you know, the Sounders have done exceptionally well. Um, and then there's the Mariners. Who you know? It, for my money, still in the summertime, that's a, such a great ballpark to go to. Top five ballpark in baseball, in my opinion. Um, I think the, the fan base is starved to come back. Yeah. Uh, the, now the the loyals um, and the diehard fans, they've stayed there no matter what, and they may grumble and be pissed off and all that. But I think deep down, you know, I, they want the team to succeed. But I think uh, success for this team would do a whole lot for that fan base and sort of. I don't want to say re-energize the city. I mean, that, that well, I mean, you you can look back to like '95 or like like you, basically that period from like '95 to 2001. Yeah, the Mariners had zero run of success prior to that, and then by 2000, like I think they had like three straight years of like 3.5 million fans in attendance. Like yeah. it, it didn't take a whole lot to get that city completely energized into that sport. Yeah, and the the new ballpark certainly helped that. Yeah, like people were, I like I know I'm. <laughs> And it's a very small group of people who enjoyed watching games in the kingdom just because that's where I, you know, actually I grew up, I went to games at Cheney Stadium in Tacoma, so I watched a lot of minor league baseball. But I went to a game in 1977 in the kingdom. My grandpa took me, and we sat in the nosebleed seats, in the 300 level, and I, I still remember it walking up. Ty, you wouldn't believe it, but, like, I swear the pitch... On the on the um, the stairs, oh, dude, like, dude, I I went to some, I, just, I went to some Kingdom games when I was a kid too, I, and I remember. Yeah, I'm like like death grip on the rail, right? <laughs> I'm like scared shitless. I'm going to fall down on the field, but uh, but uh, but I remember though. I remember everything. I went to opening night in 1986 with my 
with my friends. We had, um, I was a junior in high school, yes. And I think it was, maybe we had a, a game rained out. So we all piled in my buddy's van, drove to the Kingdom. Still best opening day ever. Jim Presley ties it in the ninth inning with a home run against the Angels and then wins it with a grand slam in extra innings. Yes. 1986 opening day. Greatest opener ever. But, like, these these memories stick with you. So, but to I got off topic there a little bit. But, yeah, these guys, you know, they were the shit in Seattle. You oh, know, yeah. for, for a, a period of time there. And people came out in droves. Well, and it's it's especially with the Sonics gone too. Like I feel yeah. like that that offers like such like a unique opportunity because you get the Seahawks in Seattle eight games, eight home games a year, or I guess whatever the hell it is going to be with seventeen. Like yeah, like you you get to know the players, but I don't know if like as like a young fan, like necessarily you develop like that day to day connection with with the players because it's just you know if if you can go see a, a team multiple times throughout a week, or I mean just the sheer number of games a baseball team plays like I feel like you ride through those emotions of a season so much more than you do like some of like you know football or even the Sounders where how often do the Sounders play it's maybe like well they actually have two, they, two home games they have a long they have a long season it's, it's, it's ridiculous and they have the, actually have the shortest postseason of any when, um, when, when I was at yeah. when I was at the uh, yeah. when I was at the Oregonian when I was working out in like the the Hillsborough Ar- Argus office my uh my editor, Dan Edel there, he was also the Timbers writer for MLS.com. Oh. And it would always feel like they would end their season in, like, December, and then, like, come February, he's like, oh, yeah, we're already doing like, Well, that year they, the year the Timbers won it, when was that? Was that, like, 13 or I think 12, that was, 13 or 14? I think it was, like, 14. It yeah. Was one of my first years here. But it was in December, right? Yeah. And then they're turning around, they're playing regular season games in, like, February or March. But uh, Does it, that, like, do soccer fans want games that early or i don't like that's the same thing like college college baseball oregon yeah. and oregon and oregon state start playing baseball in oregon at the end of february yeah why <laughs> like nobody goes to those games and it would always drive me batty because they would schedule the oregon oregon state series like yeah mid-march too when the weather's crap like why not schedule it for may when the weather's nice like i know move that whole thing another month or two down the road i think mostly because with college baseball they're so tight in that weekday or i'm sorry that weekend's conference season like so three, got, three games and then the tuesday they got to play tuesday yeah. night in hillsborough and it's like 48 degrees <laughs> out but to answer your question about soccer you know me and my uh myself and my my two boys have become big portland thorns fans yeah and we have such a good time down there ty i don't know if you've been to a thorns game i have uh, they're they're great they're great and like the quality of play is so good and especially you know they have like five or so Olympians on the team. and Christine Sinclair has been one of the best players in the world for like the last decade. Yeah. Know, just quietly playing for the t- Can we get her on the podcast and then can I sit here next to her and we could <laughs> just just talk? You know, we'll... we'll, we'll can we'll, we work on that? You we'll, had Ahmad Rashad on. Well, you know, turns out Ahmad Rashad has a website that looks like it was designed in 1999 that still has his like at... Mac address, uh, email address yeah. on it. Earthlink. Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, God bless him. He, uh, yeah. he answered and was more than happy to talk. That's great. You know, he grew up in Tacoma as well. Oh yeah, Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore, baby. Yeah, he played at uh, Mount Tahoma High School. Ron Say played at Mount Tahoma. Maybe kind of around the same time. And then uh, a fairly famous duck, Vince Goldsmith, who I think was an NCAA champion in the shot put. But played football at Oregon. But anyway, I digress. I like doing those uh, memory lane story. I, I've, and mainly it's just because it validates. I pay like ten bucks a month for newspapers for a newspapers.com subscription. Yeah, and uh, I love doing those. Just like 
rabbit hole, like read articles from like 1964 from the Register Guard. Of, sure. You know, like, I, I can spend hours down there. Well, and sometimes like, I, and, and those ones just validate it. <laughs> I, 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 it's such a good resource. And um, I did a story about Tony Gwynn's first professional season 40 and, years ago. And that looked so it, good on the site, too. I loved that, oh, the, the artwork that they did. They did a one. great yeah. job with that, right? Like, yeah. um, But I'd use newspapers.com to archive a bunch of old Walla Walla Union Bulletin articles. Um, to and it was just funny to see the game coverage and all that. No player quotes at all. It, oh it's yeah, just strictly. Oh, the that, that was that was that was straight box score. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They didn't. Uh, it was a little different way of covering things back then. But uh, um, or sometimes I'll like to, you know selfishly I'll look up like some old article of mine. You know when I was covering oh, preps yeah. in yeah, Tacoma, um, and it'll show up on there. And well, and, and I mean just about. Every newspaper that I've worked for in the past, they've like redone their website or their archives at some point. Yeah, and so it's, um, I haven't I haven't been good at like clipping things and like saving stories that I like over the years. And yeah. like usually you just kind of rely on like the archives of a privately run company. <laughs> well, and I I discovered this when I left MLB.com. I, I saved a lot of stories as PDFs. Because now when I go and I do a Google search, you know, like it won't find them. Yeah. So like, or on the MLB.com website, it's not there. So I always um, hate to, like uh, I, I did this, I did this with the mod because I uh, I don't expect everyone who I do interviews with uh, has a subscription to the and this is the same thing at the Athletic too. It's like you know there's just like some people that like you want to share the story that like you wrote on them with. So yeah. I I would sometimes like PDF things up and like. I'd always make like you always have to like put a disclaimer like hey like this looks better on the site than it does in the PDF right like, it gets messed up with the links I swear I swear we're more professional than this or something <laughs> yeah or it like you know with the athletic stuff and I still get it and you know can you send me a copy of the article well I'll send you the link yeah well and then oh but it says you have to subscribe and I was like. Yeah, it's it's well worth your time, and right. this is honestly how I support my family. <laughs> well, 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 then yeah, and then and then you get it into the, like, you can do like a tricky territory there because then the subject will be like, well, like like why did I like if it's just for you to make money off, and it's like, well, we're sharing your story, and I don't know, it's this is all rabbit holing back into me just being frustrated <laughs> over this whole NIL thing in college football, which I think is ultimately a good like a good thing overall, but. We're we're getting close to being in the situation where people are like paying for exclusive interviews for players on like their radio shows, or mm-hmm. I might be saying, eh, I'm giving it away at this point. But <laughs> like, well, I will come on free anytime. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, cheers. <laughs> One more of those. Yeah. Um, what else were you going to ask me about the Seattle Mariners? You know, I don't want to ask you about the Mariners, but I want to ask you, what's your favorite road trip? Oh. Yeah, that's a great one. Maybe. So how do we how do we break that down? You know, when I was covering, it, well, okay, so so I'll, I'll basically when when the schedule comes out, when yeah, you, when you see the list, like which one are you circling? Like, oh baby, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I just uh, can't get too far from my roots, right? And uh, they go there like it's like July third and fourth and fifth or something, and I'm already planning like to see friends when I go there. Um, their first trip is, and this has happened the last couple of years, their first trip is to Minneapolis, Minneapolis, St. Paul, super sleeper town, I, I, towns. I, 
I just had some friends that uh, went to Minneapolis for the first time, and yeah. they, they went to is it Target State Tar- Target Center Tar- or whatever whatever the new uh, oh the football arena. no no what well they went to the the baseball and NFL. oh Target Field Target Field yeah uh, and they they said the baseball experience there was like fantastic from like a fan's perspective it's a great stadium yeah. and it's like you know it's one of the newer stadiums and it's got this smaller footprint. Um, and you know, like every seat faces home plate, kind of like like what you would hope they would do if they built a stadium here, right? Kind of yeah. like that smaller. Exactly, it should be like forty thousand capacity. Right. You know what I mean? Like the days of building these monolithic sixty-five thousand seat stadiums are are gone. You know, um, but yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, when the schedule came out recently, first thing I did was book San Diego and Minneapolis, just because it's the first one, and then of course San Diego is yeah. is a key one, but. Well, and that's just the best rivalry in sports, too. Well, You've got to be there. As we know. Yeah. I, I will say this. When I covered the Padres tie, we had our road travel was good. Um, I didn't mind Arizona. That wasn't great. I didn't really like driving to L.A. from San Diego. The traffic was horrible. I, got, I started taking the train. But you get to go to San Francisco three times a year, and you get to go to Denver three times a year. Yeah. And, and now the Mariners, you know, in their division, they Texas, Oakland, and Houston – which aren't real uh, garden spots. I do like Houston. It's come around for me. Their beer scene is uh, a little bit more impressive. Maybe... How, how's the new stadium in uh, Texas? So I haven't, I haven't been there yet. When, when, when the Ducks played uh, Auburn at uh, Cowboy Stadium in 2019, the open that, yeah. of the year, my hotel was like right across the street from like that, basically like the complex. Te- Texas Live. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Mariners were playing the, the Rangers that night. And I, wa- I had a, my flight didn't get into like 7 or 8 p.m. And I just walked over, and it was like the seventh inning, and everyone's like walking out of the stadium, and I just walked in. Nobody checked yeah. anything. And, uh, yeah, I just like sat like third base side. like Of the new ballpark? No, of the old one. Yeah, It was, sure. like, it was like one one of the last games at like, yeah. the old ballpark. And um, I actually thought it was a nice park. I, I, I understand the need for a stadium with a retractable roof in yes. Texas, but yeah. like... The old ballpark at Arlington wasn't wasn't a bad bad setup. It was maybe like twenty years old too. Yeah. You know, I hope I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's the funny thing, like about the Kingdom, like that did place you see, was like twenty five years did old. Did you see that Safeco has been as open as long as the Kingdom has at this point? That's crazy. Yeah, that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. July. See, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give Safeco or sorry, T-Mobile credit. It looks a lot better at twenty five than uh, the Kingdom. Did yeah, yeah there's no tiles falling yeah. down, but they continue to put money in that ballpark, and certainly with the All Star Game coming now, yeah. they'll they'll do that. But like it, it still looks great. Do you, do you anticipate like any big changes or anything like in preparation for the All Star Game? Like. No, you know, structural changes yeah. to the stadium. You know, you, you can only move the fences in so much. Right? Well, and they've done some of that. Um, you know, I, I will say, and I don't know. Have you been to Coors Field? Yeah, I love Coors Field. Okay, how recently? Uh, I went 2018. Okay, it was a rooftop there. Yes, yeah, yes. It was. that is the future. That is the future. Congregated spaces is the future of, I think, all spectator sports. I don't think people. Want to be chained to their seats for yeah. nine innings well, or well, four usually, quarters. Well, usually when I go to a Mariners game, I pay the cheapest ticket I can get. Yeah, and then I'll bounce around and like usually spend like the first three innings in the pen or something or yeah. uh, or uh, whatever the center field. Uh, the pen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, drinking. Well, I mean, just enjoying the company of I understand of uh, of communal fandom. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, drinking. But then you'll uh, move around. Yeah, then then we'll move around, and then eventually, I mean, 
in past years, the Mariners haven't been great, and right. uh, you know it's pretty easy to uh, to sneak into a good seat after that. But I will say, I went to I went to one game with my dad when it was capped at, yeah, um, when it was capped uh, at. It was April this year when it was like five thousand fans were allowed in or, or whatever. Like when, when they had like the seating limitations in like April of this season. Oh, that seems so long ago. I know, right? Can you believe that was this year? No. And it was actually a kind of a great experience. Cause <laughs> we, like we had we had a I forget which section it was, but it was down the first baseline, and basically like it guarantees that no one's going to be in front of you, no yeah. one's going to be behind you. It was it was lovely. We have our own section, and and I know you know snarky fans were like, oh, it just feels like a normal April game at Safeco, anyways, or T-Mobile, anyways, yeah. but. It, it was going back to just like covering like the Ohio State two, game two weeks ago. Like, yeah. Like I still like feel semi uneasy about like a hundred thousand people gathering in the middle of a pandemic. But sure. It was fucking cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and I'm I'm with you on that too because you know, my my big concern is of course I have small kids. Yeah. And I just like I don't want to go anywhere and bring something back. You know, I'm fully vaccinated, but. Just understanding how things are working and all that, like it makes me nervous. Like travel makes me nervous. And I was supposed to go to Kansas City this past weekend, and I pulled the plug on that. And our company is probably good for your heart because the last time I was in Kansas City for a week, I probably ate ten pounds of barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, let's say let's just say I had some spots picked out. But <laughs> you know, I could always go back later. I could go back next year. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to put my family at yeah. risk. I just. I just can't. I just, I, I don't want to be that guy. It, it, it's been such a, kind of a tight rope to walk because, like, obviously, like, safety is, like, the number one priority, but, like, yeah. you don't want to get behind in your job either. Like, like the rest of the world's not stopping. You know? No, and we, you know, we do, you know, everything we do with the manager, pregame on Zoom, postgame manager on Zoom, postgame players on Zoom. Oh, really? Yeah, but you So, so you guys haven't gotten any locker room? No, no, we, we, okay. no, no, we haven't been in the locker room or clubhouse, but we, we can get players on the field okay. before a game. It, it was interesting because so we've been practice availability is in person. Okay. Like masked up and everything, yeah. but it's it's been nice to actually like be able to look the person in the eyes of the person of, of who you're interviewing. Yeah. But then... Post game is all still Zoom. Okay. But when we were at Ohio State, that was all in person. So it was like, hmm. and it was like, I just forgot how much easier it is. Like when you're actually just like can like react off of like body language or like no delay in, in reaction and, and those sort of like it's it's certainly been challenging. Well, you know, and you know, one of the tougher parts, and again, I just you know we roll with this because this is what we're doing, and this is not a woe is me situation, but. You know, if I want to ask a manager a question for something I'm working on that I don't necessarily want other reporters that, uh, knowing about, and you come with like the athletic brand of like we're different, like you're you want yeah, to pay for. I'm us, not covering like, games or writing about someone's ankle injury. Yeah, and, like then, I, it, and then it just gets all broadcast online like right away yeah. too. Like, uh, so it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. And but I, you know, I sort of understand, and we cover things a little differently, but. Um, we really need that face-to-face time. And I will say, you know, in spring training, um, I think I told you this, I went to spring training for two weeks, but I drove. So <laughs> I drove to spring training. I just wasn't ready to fly. You know, I wasn't ready to hang out in the Phoenix car rental place, breathing everybody else's air in February, okay? Yeah. So I drove, and I the quiet was nice. As, uh, 
as any of our listeners with children might uh, understand, it was uh, just listening to podcasts and drinking Diet Mountain Dew, cruising through Central California. You know what I mean? But the the, the upshot <laughs> of all that was once we got down there, we had one on one access with players, yeah. masked up on our end and their end where it was applicable. But um, you know, just getting a chance to talk to guys one on one. Um, and getting stories that way is so much more um, important. Well, I, like, man, I, I, I lean so heavily in my coverage off of relationships that I built with, like, players and coaches from, like, my first few years on the beat. Like, yeah. Um, and and I, I'm, pretty, I'm still pretty good at telling stories from, like, that era of Oregon football. And, like, man, there, there are just not a whole lot of players that I feel like I have, like, relationships with. Like, like just even, like, reporter, subject, like, rapport relationships right now. That's gone. It, it, it's gone, and, like, it's also changed, too, because, like, when, when I first got on the Oregon beat, people, like, people were like, oh, man, like, access here is terrible. Access was freaking great, man. Like, we, we used to get, we used to be able to get any player and any coach any day of the week as long as they hadn't talked twice already that week. So it's like, okay, like this week I want to I want to write a profile on Gary Campbell, assistant like running backs coach then. It's like, okay, like I can probably get him on Thursday. And like now it's like and, and you know, granted like Oregon's media staff is a, is a lot thinner than it used to be and, and it's 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 there's there's a lot more people that want to try to get access, but like you don't know if you're going to get like a player or a coach until like you basically till like you get there. And it's just, it just makes it really hard to, like, plan for, like, anything or, yeah. or like, like, even, like, um, you know, if only four players come out and then everyone's around them at the same time. Like, I used to, like, that's how I developed a relationship with, like, Aiden, who's my podcast co-host, is uh, sometimes I would just get tired of talking to Marcus on Mariota days, and so I'd request the kicker. Mm-hmm. And, like, you learn more about people that way, and you're able to tell stories and that sort of thing, and I feel like a lot of that's been lost, and... Like, in that, I feel like there's a lot of, like, mutual understanding between, like, how reporter and, play, like, athletes or, like, relationships work uh, is kind of lost in that, too. Well, and it's, you know, just having, for us, it's the clubhouse time. You know, we get that access in the clubhouse before the game um, in the afternoon before they go out and do batting practice where you can kind of wander around and talk to guys. And, you know, and, and I'll use this as an example of a story I got. Again, it's not a big story. Um, but yeah, I think it was toward the uh, end of the year. Um, you know, I had a relationship with Wade LeBlanc, who, who pitched for the Padres when I was down there, and he was with the Mariners, right? And so I just kind of casual chit-chatting. I was like, hey, you know, what do you got going this winter? And this is in the clubhouse, just kind of roaming around, shooting the shit, right? Right. And he's like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to graduate finally from the University of Alabama. I was like, He's like, yeah, I've been taking these courses. I've been studying in the hotel rooms on these road trips. I'm like, holy shit, that's a great story. Yeah. Or it's a good story. I don't know. It's a no, story. no. Like, like I, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, never would have got that. Well, like that was when I was down at Portland State today, just like shooting the shit with like Bruce Barnum, their coach, and like yeah. some of the players. And I was talking to their quarterback, and he's like, oh man, like. Like, see that guy right there? And he was pointing to, like, the seven-foot-tall guy. He's like, oh, that guy just got signed with the WWE for, like, NIL deal. Like, like just, like, certain things that, like, small talk. That's yeah. not, like, in the question-answer, question-answer, like, kind of format that, like, like right. you get, you're actually able to, like, talk and converse. And, and Because, you know, what, you know what's funny about that? Um, he's mentioning this to you just kind of offhanded, da-da-da. Wade LeBlanc's mentioning to me, I'm, oh, I'm graduating from 
University of Alabama. He wasn't bragging or boasting about This is just something that's happening in his life. He doesn't know, and the coach for Portland State doesn't know. That that's what's interesting to, to you and yeah. potentially to a lot of other people. It's just something that's, that's happening in their lives. Right. Right? But um, without that avenue to, or the, you know, that space to talk to someone about that, you, you live in a world that's devoid of all that, and so you're stuck in a Zoom call talking about today's game, so-and-so, you know, mechanical change in a swing, you know what I mean? But everybody's got everything. And then, of course, they put it up on the um, on Root Sports or something like that, and that's all out there for everybody to have. Fubo, man. Fubo is the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, shoot, man! I'm I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Yeah, I, I, uh, can it's, we it's, do this again? Yeah, without the mic and the computer. Like, oh yeah, I, who needs this stuff? Uh, no, and uh, much appreciation to Brian Brian Cook here at Lombard House. Thanks, Brian. Uh, it's in North Portland, seven three three seven North Lombard at Lombard House. Or sorry, yeah, at Lombard House Beer on Instagram. Uh, Brian's one of the best people in this community. Always looking out for everybody and, and runs a hell of a bar. So please come check him out. Um, can we get together here frequently in the off season? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I is Brian okay? If, with that? If, 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 you, if you look behind the bar, there's a sleeping bag. He oh. he keeps that for me. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> That's great. Um, and yeah, once again, Corey Brock from the Athletic. Anything that you need to? Any, any stories coming up? Anything that you need to? I do have one. I have one question of you. Yes. Now, Tyson, be completely honest. I five corridor. Of people who signed up, where did I my subscription Dude, fall? You, oh, we, you know, we can find that out. But yeah. I bet you, you were probably like number thirteen ish. Hey, like, like you're you're in that. Uh, I mean, we could we could fudge it to get it into single digits to maybe get you like. Uh, I, I would feel better about myself. If yeah, we did that. Well, because I mean, because I, 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 I feel like I maybe gave away one or two before that at some point. Okay. You know, just to just grease the numbers yeah. a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, we. Uh, Do we, you appreciate my page, patronage? Oh yeah, I love is it. Is that the word? Oh, yeah. boy, you're. <laughs> and folks, you you can't see this, but Tyson has got the coolest stickers, and I really like the logos. Did you go over this in a podcast, or do you want to? No, s- no, no. If if if. The, Where did you come up with this? Uh, okay, so I named it I five corridor. I knew I kind of wanted it to be some sort of like Americana, you know, like. I spent a lot of time in the car. You understand. Yeah, like sure. Driving up. And so I, I wanted that vibe a little bit. I uh, I really like the uh, the State of Oregon National Parks logo. Yeah. And one of the guys I play with, Corey Redding, uh, he's a graphic designer. And so I kind of just shot him those uh, those ideas. And he uh, he came up with a few different templates for me. And, this is, uh, it's really cool. In fact, we should talk about making getting hats. Dude, actually, so I just got a sweatshirt made up. Okay. And uh, I was going, I was going to wear it today, but I spilt some ice cream on it yesterday. Oh. You, know, you know, normal sports writer. Sure. Thing. And uh, but I think I might be able to make more money selling memorabilia than I actually do on the website. So. Well, no one wants to listen to you, but yeah. I think they will wear a shirt with this logo. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah. No. Absolutely. absolutely. Are we going to? Are you going to cut that last part? No, we're going to. Okay. Gonna, we're going to keep, gonna it, keep all. it. Okay. We, we are a transparent podcast. But Brian is kicking us out because no, no, I know you're not. But that's a good way to make right, it seem like that. We, yeah, get the fuck now. We're, now, it, now it's gotten real. Uh, well, thanks, thanks for joining, Corey. This was great, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ty. Yeah.